Hello, I'm Daniel Yates, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals all about issues, interests, and insights in today's profession. In this episode, I'll be talking to Alderman Tim Hales about diversity and inclusion in the City of London. Tim is a non-executive director and company secretary of Five Islands Capital, and until taking up office as the Aldermanic Sheriff in the City of London, he was the co-head of the Global Equities Practice at JP Morgan. What does Pride Month mean to you, and how will you be celebrating? Uh, well, look, the, um, the name rather gives it away, doesn't it? Um, it's uh, an opportunity for something that historically has been uh, invisible, or at least you can choose to be invisible. Uh, I chose to be invisible um, way back. Um, to become very visible um, and to celebrate and reflect on the fact that that visibility is now possible without, um, you know, without recrimination or, or, or issues. So for me, um, you know, whatever uh, size, shape or form you come in, in the LGBT um, acronym, uh, go off and celebrate it in your own way. Um, some people uh, obviously given the COVID situation, uh, marching and, and that sort of stuff is, is difficult. Um, but some people feel comfortable uh, going on a pride march and some don't. Um, but I think wherever you are in the community, um, this month is an opportunity to reflect on how far we've come, um, some of the things that we still need to do. Um, but fundamentally, that we are increasingly living in a society where you can be visible and there is no consequence to it. How have attitudes towards the LGBT plus community changed uh, throughout your career? Oh, enormous. Um, uh, so, you know, ironically, perhaps I was born in 1967, so I'm just in my age way. Um, but of course, that was the year that homosexuality was decriminalised between consenting adults. Um, I started my professional career in the city in 1993. Uh, as then an article called Clark. They don't exist anymore. You now get uh, training contracts in law firms. I'm not sure how it works in uh, accountancy firms. Um, and, you know, that was a very difficult environment in a mainstream city law firm um, to be openly openly gay. And I wasn't initially. Um, of course, you know, you're all a bit nervous starting a new job in a new environment and you want to sort of, t- you know, take it carefully. But um, by the end of my training contract, I was I was I was out and and visibly so. Um, I think at that point in time, I was probably one of the very few lawyers in the city who was openly um, gay or honest about their sexuality. Um, and as my career progressed through private practice, where I was for four years, um, and then joining the then Morgan Guarantee Trust in 1999. As they say, I've never looked back. Um, and so now, over 27 years uh, working in the city, most of that time I've been um, openly um, gay, whether that's been in law firms or in on trading floors. And I think somebody starting their career now, uh, you know, the idea that you couldn't do that or you wouldn't do that is ludicrous. Um, and that demonstrates, I think, how far we've come. That's not to say, of course, that there aren't uh, places and spaces where that is still not a comfortable place um, to be, which goes back to my comment about, you know, more to do. Um, but I certainly think there is now, you know, a social consensus more broadly um, that people should be able to bring their whole selves to to their job. Um, and moreover, if they can't, that's actually uh, an economic 
disincentive in the sense that you know you, you, your talent comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, if you're busy angsting about things that frankly distract you from your ability to do your job, that that uh, impacts on your on your um, on your efficiency as an employee. So yes, there's you know you hear about the economic case for equality, and that is true. Um, but there's also a moral case, which is you know we should all be treating each other with respect, whether we work in this workplace uh, place, which is now of course a slightly different concept given the pandemic, um, or whether you're interacting with people outside of work. Uh, I think it just comes back down to basic human dignity and respect for each other. Great. And you, uh, you've worked for both a, a large US investment bank and now smaller fintech. There's a perception that smaller firms are often not as well resourced uh, and engaged with diversity and inclusion, often lacking things such as business resource groups. How can small firms be better in this area on limited budgets? Look, I, I think whether you're a big firm, a small firm, or a medium firm, this this boils down to culture. Um, you can have policies coming out of your ears, uh, and you can have business resource groups, and you can have HR and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, if you don't work in an environment where that mutual respect uh, issue that I've highlighted is the pervasive culture, you've got a problem, and no end of policies will fix that. Um, so yes, the, the larger firms... Uh, have the resource and structure to to build the things that you've just um, highlighted. Um, But those are means to an ends. Uh, And what's important is is the ends. And the ends is creating a culture where people people can can be be what I I said they should be, which is, you know, be their whole selves. Now, diversity is a fact, okay, at the end of the day. We're different. We come in different shapes and sizes and colours and genders and sexualities and uh, gender identities. Um, equality is ultimately that you're invited to the party. Um, and inclusion is that you get to participate. Um, and I think over my professional career, uh, there's been, you know, a journey, if you like, an acknowledgement of diversity as a starting point. Um, the getting invited point, which is the sort of the whole equality. I think we've got more to do on the inclusion bit. Um, because I'm not convinced that we necessarily have in all uh, firms and environments in the city um, a a culture of inclusion, i.e. active participation. Uh, And if people don't feel able to participate, then we've we've not really gone the whole whole course. Um, So, yeah, back to your question. Um, You know, it's great to have all the things that you highlighted, uh, but if you can't, that doesn't mean that you can't create a culture of inclusion. So having held the office of sheriff, you're now eligible to be elected Lord Mayor. And if elected, you'll become the first openly gay Lord Mayor of the City of London. What does that role involve? And what's the importance to you of an openly gay person holding that office? Yes, there is an element of uh, tradition and ceremonial to it. But actually, if you break down the Lord Mayor's time, that's a very small proportion of the time they spend in their year and it is only a year uh, in office. Um, the role really in soundbite terms is to be an international trade ambassador. Um, and you'll probably travel to about 28 countries in your year. In fact, you'll probably spend a third of your year not even in the UK um, because you know trade and the continued success of financial and professional services in the UK and in the city is core to, is core to the role. Uh, and so, 
you know, people who tend to serve in that role have a strong background in financial professional services, one one of the stripes, um, not necessarily. Um, but in order to be an effective ambassador, you need to you know be able to talk about um, things with some degree of um, background knowledge and information. For most of my career, I was a derivatives lawyer. Um, but towards the end, certainly post the financial crisis, uh, we all became regulatory lawyers. So uh, when I'm sat next to whoever uh, from the central bank of wherever, hopefully I don't um, I don't fluster my lines and I can speak with some some degree of practical coalface coalface knowledge. So that's the that's the role. Um, and what does it mean? Uh, well, look, I I've I've always believed in role models. I've always um, you know, looked to people who inspire me um, to continue in my my career. Um, and your your key word really is openly. We have most certainly had Gaylord Mayors in the past. Uh, I think we're up to number six hundred ninety two. I've I've lost track. I should know that off the top of my head. Um, and it's you know it's ridiculous to think that we haven't actually had any uh, any incumbents. They've just not been open, um, and that goes back to my sort of points about visibility and the fact that we can celebrate um, somebody potentially holding that office where it's really not relevant. Um, and you know, subject to the support of my colleagues and uh, ultimately a vote from the. From the livery, that's something I would very much aspire to be able to do and serve in serve in that role. Um, but I think that the message it sends more broadly about the journey that the City of London has been on, I think, is very very positive. I mean, I've I've described the city. We talk about the city. I've described the city as three interlocking circles, um, and if you go back, those circles were very closely interlocked because. You were first and foremost successful in your profession. Um, you were therefore involved in your livery, in your guild, which regulated your profession. Um, and by climbing up through the ranks of your of your guild, you were ultimately expected to take responsibility for the community in which your guild did business, London, and seek civic office. And that, in a nutshell, is what Whittington did, uh, one of the most famous Lord Mayors. Uh, and if we fast forward to, to now, what you find actually is that those circles have drifted apart. Uh, and so many people who work in financial and professional services, for example, will know not a lot about the Corporation of London or indeed be a member of a livery company. And the same applies for the other two. And I've always felt uh, that you know drawing those circles back in together so that the overlaps increase is a, is a positive thing for the city. And I strongly, I strongly believe that. And the the history that you mentioned there kind of points to the fact that the corporation corporation of London is an ancient institution. It's founded, I think, in around the the twelfth century. Um, how has the corporation kept pace in in bringing its values on diversity and inclusion into the twenty first century? I am on the public record as saying that I think that the progress that corporations and firms have made in the city around this whole issue is is enormous. And I, I think we touched on that with your first question. Um, the, the livery and the guilds have a way to go, and so does the corporation. That's not to say that they're not doing it, because they are. Um, and that's not to say that they can't learn from um, the corporate experience, and they do. Um, and you know, we now 
in the Corporation of London, if you look at the staffing, so we have, you know, business resource groups, employee networking groups, which you, you touched on. Um, you know, when I had the, the, the opportunity to serve as sheriff, it was the first time the rainbow flag had ever gone up over the Old Bailey. Um, and the symbolism of that, given it was the place where Oscar Wilde was sentenced for the LGBT community, is is huge. And so, you know, look, step by step, I think we're making some really positive progress. Um, I think sometimes people don't know what they're allowed to ask or how to ask it. No one is asking you to do anything other than widen the gate. You don't have to lower the bar. <clears throat> it's just a question of looking in different places uh, than you might traditionally have looked at in order to encourage, a, uh, throw the net wider and encourage a wider range of people to, to engage. And that, I think, is the ingredient for success in, in making progress in, uh, as you've touched on, on both the, the, the sort of traditional guild side and the corporation. Brilliant, thank you. And you, before you mentioned kind of three interlinked uh, overlapping circles, one of those circles being people's professions, uh, what, what do you think that the finance profession uh, could do better to be more diverse and inclusive of people from all backgrounds? Well, um, I think it's still true. Um, but I think that's a, that's a difficult question because it depends on which layer you're looking at within a firm. Um, and I think there will be natural change um, as new generations come through. So it's a bottom up as well as a top down issue. Um, I think in some parts of the financial services sector, we still have a way to go on gender equality. Um, I think, uh, and that's before we before we touch on accessibility for for disabled people. Um, I, I think I think we're we're pretty good on LGBT. Um, maybe more to do on the T. Um, and that's not to acknowledge that, as I said earlier, there aren't places where that none of that really works. Um, but I think more more of the same, right? Um, so ultimately, thinking about ways in which you create a culture where there is genuine inclusivity, that's the that's the fundamental. Um, and as I said, I think we're we're making some good strides forward. There's there's more to do. Thank you. And finally, you mentioned role models before. Um, you're clearly a role model for others. What advice do you have for young aspiring LGBT plus professionals? Oh, be authentic. Um, <clears throat> I think you have to be yourself. If you can't be honest about who you are, <clears throat> then people will, find, well, why would they not question your honesty? Um, I mean, that's an easy thing to say um, because it's not always easy to do. <clears throat> but I think personal integrity is absolutely key to anybody working in financial and professional services. It doesn't matter whether you're a lawyer or an accountant and subject to codes and FCA, whatever is right. Um, this is about personal authenticity. Um, and, and no, it's not always straightforward. Um, take it from me. Um, I've been there, done that and got the T-shirt. Um, and there are still times when I come into contact with um, people who, frankly, are, are homophobic and prejudiced, um, and you just have to, to keep at it. Um, I think, look, friends and family and a support network around you is really critical too. Uh, you're not in it alone. Don't ever think that. Um, but I think, yes, the, I think the one piece of advice, if it's not... Um, 
too presumptuous of me to advise people. Uh, I think integrity and and honesty are absolutely fundamental. Brilliant. Well, Tim, it's been wonderful to talk to you today and to learn more about you and your career. So thank you so much once again and have a great pride. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Really nice to talk to you. Take care. Thank you.